Welcome to The Unranked, where we go mining for hidden gems in the prospect world. The Unranked is produced by Figure Filbert. Check us out at figurefilbert.com, where you can also find all the latest bargains from Dick Sporting Goods and other partners. Get your Little League team ready for the season. Stock up with our discounts. And now for this episode, here's our host, Matt Gardner. All right, friends, welcome to another episode of The Unranked. This is Matt Gardner once again, and we're coming to you this week with our very special opening day episode in a conversation with our friend 40 Man Thurlow. Of course, Doc Brown is with us and Craigers as usual. Uh, this is a uh, few days late, so apologies to everyone for taking a short Easter weekend vacation, and we're excited to share this episode with you. Please have a listen to this new episode of The Unranked. All right, welcome to the opening day special of The Unranked. This week we're going to be talking about players we love going into the 2021 season. We've got a big roundtable discussion going today. We're back with Doc Brown. Doc, how are you? Man, I'm doing good. It's Friday. I got some beers chilling in the fridge for later. <laughs> I am uh, I'm hot to trot, man. I'm hot to trot. Golfing weather's coming up, playing 18 on Sunday. Feeling good. Wow. Feeling great. Outstanding. Uh, Kyle, tell people where they can actually find you out in the interwebs. Oh, uh, finding me is very easy. You go to at caught looking, spelled with a V instead of a U, just because some weird consortium of music people in Texas have the uh, handle that I want, and they're up there probably all deceased at this point, so I am never getting it. But anyway, caught looking, V instead of a U, and then uh, you can check me at the uh, On the Farm podcast for, uh, for Pitcher List, and that is On the Farm PL on the Twitter. Outstanding. And, of course, we're here with our most regular guest, our honorary ambassador from Baseball Canada. Craigers, how are you? All good. I thought I wasn't talking. (laughs) You thought. I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, guys? I want to go golfing, too, Kyle. We should go golfing one day. Absolutely, man. Yeah, man. And a first-time guest with us, Michael Thurlow, is guest of honor today. Thurlow, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to talk to you about looking ahead at the 2021 season and guest of honor. I think we have hazing in effect. So uh, for the first timers, we'll, we'll do what we can to pop your cherry today. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Uh, okay. So our, our opening day special this, uh, this week is all about looking at players that we own the most shares of both on the hitting and pitching sides. And so we're going to each go through a little bit of a a rundown of who we love the most and who we're carrying across most of our leagues. So just as we're setting up that topic, uh, we learned something about this group of four folks that uh, shares a few leagues. I think I'm in maybe three leagues with Thurlow. Is it two or three? I think it's two, actually. Yeah? I'm not in Kenny Powers. Okay, there we go. And and uh, uh, Kyle, just simply the best, right? Well, simply, yeah. Simply. And too many with Mike, to, uh, to with Craigers, that is, to, uh, to run down, but quite a few. And so Mike and I know more about each other's favorite players than we should. It's just, uh, <laughs> just from trading back and forth Jeremy De La Rosa for years. So uh, it's like an old bickering couple, isn't it, Craigers? Yeah, man, we we trade back and forth, and I know you, and you know me. Yeah, there are no secrets in a marriage like this. No. (laughs) 
We fight yeah. sometimes. Well, we haven't fought in a while, but when we fight, it's usually only a day. I yeah, usually check in. It's usually you get mad at me, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry, Matt. I always have to say sorry. It's very Canadian of you to come back politely. Yeah. You're an excellent fighter, though, Mike, I have to say. <laughs> Thanks. You too. <laughs> okay, so one of the things we did in show prep was talk to each other about the leagues that we're in, and we, uh, we picked up a shocker in that process. Thurlow, tell us about your overall engagement in fantasy baseball. Uh, I would say it's pretty extensive. I, uh, I love it. I, I join as well. I was joining as many leagues as I get my hands on and now I'm cutting back. So, uh, I just, I love everything about it. I love every type of league, uh, survivor leagues, um, points, Roto dynasty. So I joined, uh, I like joining many servers too. So, yeah, if if it's baseball related, kind of like I'm sure like you guys, I'm in. Maybe just a little more to it, more extensive than you guys possibly. Okay, so the headline is how many leagues are you in? Forty. Jeez. Oh my 40. god. No matter how many yeah. times I hear that. What's the question, Craigers? No, I said no matter how many times I hear that, forty. That's that's crazy. That's that's it awesome. Crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know how you, you do that, man. So you, you've got three to six of every type of league. You've got a contracts league. You've got salary caps leagues. You've got points. You've got head-to-head. You've got roto. You've got everything. Yeah, everything. Uh, more, more or less starting to shift to uh, more traditional, like, cash games. And now that I'm in Texas, I'm going to be doing uh, uh, daily again. Being in Nevada, I couldn't do that. So – Kind of shifting away from the dynasty aspect, not leaving you guys behind by any means, but, you know, that also gives me the opportunity to uh, free up time. Uh, for instance, a lot of the leagues I do now, the trades aren't allowed. Draft, you're done. Uh, and with you guys, like, uh, you know, I, I joke with you, Michael, I, when we talk, or Matt, excuse me, when we talk on there, on the Discord, and I'm like, oh, my ADD's kicking in again. And, you you know, you guys, you guys forced me to, not force me, but, I end up doing these trades and and pushing myself back, and it you know it kind of benefits me because you know I can spend more time in other places. So when you say forty, it really it's not as bad as it sounds. So so a lot of draft and and stand pat like NFBC formats that you're doing. Sure, yeah, yeah, mainly uh, mainly a lot of I do a lot of best balls and uh, just general general cash games. So you could do waiver. I like uh, I like the leagues where daily lineups. I, I like getting in leagues where their the rules are more extensive because I feel as the year goes on, I'm going to check out. They are going to make mistakes. Like I hear a lot of these analysts, and they're just like, "I wish there was daily lineups." I think that's crazy. I want to change the lineup every single day. I don't want to be stuck with somebody. But you know, to each their own. You know, that's that's the way they want to do it. So yeah, I'm always looking for something with, you know with extensive rules. I want to catch somebody slipping. I want, you know, the football season to start and I want them to mess up. Like I did, uh, I did three best balls a couple weeks ago and we get into the draft room and everybody's mad because it's a two hour clock. Half the league checked out. I loved it. I set my auto queue on, did my thing two weeks or, you know, a week and a half later, drafts were done. I got almost everybody I wanted, you know, October we'll pull up the league and see how I did. I love that, and I love the attitude about it, too. I have to say, when you're 
watching like that and people are kind of losing track of things or going with whatever the shiny penny is. I got Chris Bryant at 122 in a redraft the other day. So it's crazy things like that happen. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, if you're not... Go ahead, Kyle. Well, yeah, if you're not doing, if you're not doing like, but not all daily leagues, if some of them are, you know, don't involve trades, that 40 seems a little bit more palatable. Uh, and when I was in my head, I was thinking 40, you know, 40 discord servers that we, like we have with simply the best. And I was just like, I, uh, who's paying you to sit there all day and do this? Cause it's not us yet. So yeah, that's uh that, that makes a little bit more sense. That makes a little bit more sense. I just realized how much I have to learn from Thurlow when he talks about this. He's taken the whole portfolio theory and blown it up. So yeah. if, if Thurlow is a PhD in fantasy baseball, we're all students uh, relative to that. I'm in 11 leagues, down to two redraft. I don't know, Thurlow, how many you're doing that are redraft, but Dynasty and Deep Dynasty has given me a sort of different, uh, you know, kind of level of excitement for going deep. Going deep? Going deep. Uh, yeah, Craigers, how many leagues are you in total? I'm only in four. I think uh, three of them I'm in with you, Matt, and I just picked up the fourth. That's the one I'm out for blood in right now. Excellent. Out the for blood. Okay. Out for blood in that. You're still in the founding one. draft of that new one, right? I'm still what, sorry? You're in the founding draft of that new one still. I am, yes. We have nine more picks to go, and they're all, all rookie guys. So we might get a little insight from you live on the clock while we're talking today. Maybe. We'll see how fast these turds draft. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, how many leagues are you in total? Uh, I am in... I just got bamboozled into another one. Sometimes if I'm the commissioner of the league that I care the most about and I bring in someone new, I'll like I'll I'll go into their league just as a way to be like, well, you can't leave now. Now I got you, son of a bitch. Um, so <laughs> I rec- I recently did that because it's it can be hard to be like, oh yeah, thanks for thanks for playing along with me and and dealing with it. No, I won't be in your redress league. So I think I'm in six now. I don't want to be in six. I want to be in four, like Mike. Um, I, you know, I got into simply the best because I was just, I was playing strictly head to head leagues with sort of my homeboys for a long time. And, uh, I needed to expand that out. So I got into a a head to head league that was points and contracts because I just sort of hated the idea of contracts. Um, cause I, money is a part of my life enough is what I felt like. But I, I wanted to expand my fantasy abilities so that I could write more and talk more about that, um, you know, shit with, I don't know, expertise. And if you only play Yahoo head-to-head leagues, you don't really know shit about other things. Um, so I'm in one Roto League. I'm in one head-to-head league that is a 12 by 12 That's my 22-year league. That's the, that's the home league. Um, I am in a 16-teamer that is contracts and salaries. Uh, and I am in Simply the Best. That was why I got into Simply the Best, because I wanted to get into that, the deep, 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 deep. And, uh, and then I just got into a couple of redrafts just to, you know, just to fuck around. Um, yeah, I feel like you got to, it can be, if you, if you, if you abandon redraft, you, you start to have a very skewed perspective, I feel like. Redraft grounds you in like, okay, actually I don't get credit for minor league stats. So what is the, I, what is the world like when I only focused on the major leagues? And then, you know, I, I am doing a little, a few of those, like, best ball cut lines on NFBC with a friend and messing around with those. But because I don't have to check those one time until the end of the season, I'm sort of I'm sort of whatever on that. I mean, that's, like, I don't consider that. If it's not a daily league where I'm trading, 
I almost like I'm not going to put that into the number. So that's my long-winded answer for your very simple question. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Thurlow is the kind of guy who would love taking advantage of me in redraft because I'm still giddy about guys like Vaughn who haven't played a single major league game, and he's taking 33-year-olds. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take you Gariel every day, all day. <laughs> yeah. The proven production. Yeah, exactly. All right, you're listening to the opening day special with the unranked. We want to hear from you. So you can subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Leave a review. It helps the show out a lot. And let us know what you think. Uh, got a question or a topic to suggest? Write us an email at podcast at figurefilbert.com, F-I-G-G-E-R-F-I-L-B-E-R-T, figurefilbert.com. And we are all here because we want you to dock. Listen, fuckers. Off we go. Okay, today's special is all about players we have the most shares of going into 2021. Thurlow, we just are dying to hear how you're tracking your rosters across all those leagues. So maybe we could start with you talking about, let's do hitters first. What hitters do you have the most shares of going into this season? Well, to start, I'm definitely going to steal one of yours because we share the same love for this guy. It's, it's definitely Josh Rojas uh, for Arizona, multiple player eligibility. Uh, great bat, got to, to Jeff McNeil when he, you know, when that date comes and he's everyday regular and every day waking up and finding out that he's not sent out to the uh, alternate side is a blessing because I've got a lot of shares of him. We both have a lot of shares of him. He's uh, and nobody talks about him. I've got uh, I've got a good buddy of mine. I help him with the 30 team league he's in, um, and we have him and we uh, we. I guess it's probably going to be for the best, but we, we can't trade him. Like, nobody nobody in that league knows about him. It's a little more of a casual league. So, and he, didn't have, he doesn't have that pedigree that a lot of these other prospects had. So he's kind of under the radar, which, you know, makes him even more intriguing. Uh, as I mentioned, Yuli Gurriel, a lot of, I have a lot of Astro guys. Uh, and, it, you know, a little bit of the Rockies, too, because there's going to be somebody for the Rockies we all know who's, you know, going to explode, and maybe it's that uh, Welker guy, the new third baseman. I don't know. Of course, I have no shares of him, but uh, lots of Yuli Gurriel. He doesn't hit a ton of home runs, but he does. He he he's very productive across the board, and you can get him for free in the late, late, late rounds. Did you want me to do pitcher two or? Uh... Let's do pitcher second. We'll do another okay. round. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that would that would probably be. Obviously, back to the Astros, lots of Kyle Tucker. Uh, when you can get him at the end of the first or start of the second round, and there's that potential for 20-plus uh, stolen bases, and you're, you're in a roto format, and the on-base percentage, that guy is, you know, I, I, I'm always really high on him. And I have him in simply the best. You, everybody, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you guys hit me up for him. I just, he's, he's my friend. Yeah, he's my franchise, so... He's uh, he's that's probably how that would be my calling card here. When people in that league listen, they'll they'll know me as the uh, Kyle Tucker owner who won't give him up. I'm I'm sure you won't betray me on this, but I think I've made some terrible Kyle Tucker offers your way. Uh, maybe maybe I I don't remember for sure. I, I know a lot of them aren't good, and it, it's funny you know you get you get into these league you get into these leagues and you become like a seller. Like I you know I, I I'm not afraid to say it. I'm a seller and simply the best for sure. And then like. Uh, you know, you start turning your team around, and they're like, "Oh, or or in in the second year that we are in that league, and people are like, oh, he's got, he's sold everybody. He'll 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 give up Kyle Tucker now.' And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, do you want me to be a bottom dweller forever? It's kind of funny. You, you get you get those deals, and it's like, 
You know, no, you know, like it's it's. Funny. I got one for Giolito the other day in another league. It's I'm going off on a tangent, but as you can tell, it you know it's funny. It happens. I'm sure we've all been there. Now you got Tucker from Haygood, didn't you? I think so. I think that was part of the Cole uh, trade, and oh. uh, and that was that was funny. I I love Haygood. He's great. I recruited him in another one of my leagues, and uh, he's so funny. And he wanted Cole, and I was just like. I was like, well, I'm not giving up Cole. I don't need to. And he just he just kept adding to the deal. I forgot who else I got, but I know the Discord kind of went nuts. Like, you know, he overpaid. And, and you know, I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem overpaying myself uh, if if that's who you want, you know. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Tucker was in that. I forgot, and you just reminded me of that. And it was, I mean, that that deal was huge. I got, I I, I think I got six pieces. I but I don't remember the rest of the details of it. So many trades in that league. So many trades. And Haygood loves to trade. He's a guy we'll have to have on the show just as the laboratory of trades goes. So an experimenter for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, anybody got questions for Thurlow about that approach? I, I'm shocked that you're an Astros fan, closet Astros guy, but uh, I know neither one of us has Rojas in the quarantine league. I think we should go both make offers to that guy and see if... Uh, oh, man. I know. Really? Yeah. Oh boy! Uh, it, he's owned by the Devil Rays franchise, which means we're both headed in to make offers right now. That's right. <laughs> yep. Sharks lurking. I've got Rojas in all my deep leagues, so I'm happy about what he's headed for. Um, who's anybody got questions for Thurlow about the the ownership he's describing? I mean, I guess I, I definitely you know I definitely want to give give some value to some older dudes who are still producing. I guess I. Don't, what are you really expecting from Yuli Gurriel this year? Because as much as I, I, you can definitely get him for free, he's starting, he's, you know, he, can, he can put the bat on the ball a little bit. I'm just not seeing much, you know, what level of league are we talking about here? Because I feel like in a 12-teamer, he's still not really that relevant, but maybe in a 15-plus, you're starting to get into relevance, and then 20-plus, definitely, and obviously a 30-plus, he's a starter, so he's, val- so he's valuable. So where, where are you drawing the line there on the sort of the Yuli Gurriel? Because I don't think he'll be owned in my 12-teamer, but I'm sure he will be owned in, you know, the 30s and the 16-pluses. Sure, yeah. I mean, you're right. The day's going to come. He's not young. The day's going to come. He's going to be irrelevant, and it might be this year. Um, if, you know, there was a tweet I saw a while back. Matt, I think Matt Modica said it. I, I love Matt Modica. I think he's the greatest. But he, he made a comparison to Yuli and, and Freddie Freeman in the last – almost two years and they're they're pretty much identical and uh i've been in on uh stat wise stat for stat they're very close and uh and and it just kind of made a lot of sense to me and and uh as a late round flyer if if i don't have first base full because i draft on value so i i I could i can go into a draft and be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go pitch for heavy at first and then you know that that could falter by fall by the wayside next thing you know uh Depending on where where I'm at in the draft or how my how my team looks, you know I'm not afraid to, to draft him as like a utility player or a bench player. But you're right. I mean I'm definitely not taking him like anything anywhere early in a draft. I'm not taking him in the top ten rounds. But when the draft's coming to a close and it's late, I find myself getting a lot of Yuli Gurriel just by default. And and I it's just one of those things where it just happens. And like there's guys like Cabrian Hayes, who I have zero shares of. And it's not anything against Cabrian Hayes. It's just like the way it works out. And I think it's funny. I, I, I see that every day where I'm like, I don't have this guy. I don't have this guy anywhere. I don't have it. But I'm also not the guy that's like, I got to trade for that guy because I don't have him anywhere. 
just kind of how it happened. So, yeah, I mean, to elaborate on the Yuli thing, I, I agree. I, I'm not, I definitely not sold that he's like a superstar, but I think there's like, I think there's hidden value there in the late rounds where, you know, you could, you could really fill up a lot of stats with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I I see it as well. He definitely, you know, last year's stats, he's he's got Babbitt, you know, to death with the two thirty five Babbitt or whatever. But I I would I would love to get Matt Modica right to my face and be like, yeah, you can throw that twenty nineteen out the window with that rabbit ball and that potential for knowing the pitches that are coming because that is very clearly an outlier. So to even to, to even put him in the same breath as Freddie Freeman, I. Might start drinking earlier today than than uh, than I previously anticipated. I'm ready to begin. I'm, I'll get started now. <laughs> and I'll also tell you he doesn't have a trash can anymore. So uh, that's I'm a skeptic when it comes to the Astros lineup. I, I'm dying to see how this plays out. I really I wish that. Do you do? I got three guys. You ready to go, Craigers? Yes, I got three. No, 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 no. I'm not ready to go. About what you were talking about with Guriel. Oh yeah. So I have Joey Votto. I have um, Yuli Gurriel and Carlos Santana. Which of those three are going to have a better year this year? Santana. Santana. Yeah, I like Santana too. Good scenery. Yeah. Great, hmm. great lineup. No lineup nobody really talks about. Yep. Fantastic yeah. lineup. A bunch of rabbits at the top. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I, I like do Santana. like Gurriel. I do keep Gurriel around just in case. You never know. So, Craigers, rank those three for us. Me rank them? Yeah. Just the way I have it right now, I have Santana in my starting lineup. So, that'll tell you. I have him number one. And then uh, I got to go with Votto. I just like Votto. Uh, I've always liked him. He's got a great approach. And then, yeah, Guriel. Guriel could could easily beat uh, Votto, though. I don't know. Now, they're all a bit older, so in a dynasty sense, Who's the cheapest to acquire? I still think you can get Santana surprisingly cheap because people don't value him despite the years of production. Yeah. Well, I, all these guys, you could get them after round 15 in a dynasty. Well, 16-team or something like that. Maybe not a 30-teamer, but right, 30-teamer maybe just outside the top 10 rounds. Does that make sense or maybe no? It does. Kyle, are you buying all three? Uh, I am. I mean, I'm... I, I, I'm probably not buying Votto, to be honest with you. I, as much as I do agree that he does have that approach, and I don't know, I just feel like Votto's, if Votto starts the season slowly, he might just retire. Like, I'm always just worried about that, where he's like, no, I'm not myself anymore. Um, and there were some interesting, interesting things he did uh, last year, and maybe he's changing things up and he's tinkering. I like Joey Votto a lot. I mean, he's, he was absolutely fantastic, and he's sort of a decent floor kind of player like in a, in a deep league and that he's, he's probably not going to be abysmal, but you know, upside obviously is gone um, for the most part. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly buying Santana uh, over all those guys. Santana gets dinged a little bit for the, for the low average stuff, uh, you know, like, but I, I think any given year Santana is still able to, to put up a 400 on base percentage. And that really can come down to just getting, you know, 20 singles falling in uh, that, that otherwise didn't the year before where he hit 230 and he was only getting on base, you know, 360. But if you're playing in an on-base league, 360 uh, after pick 200 is pretty fantastic. And That's then, a winner. Yeah, and he, he's, he's always racking up a decent amount of RBIs and runs, and we're still playing with those categories. So that's – I like Santana a lot, and I feel like Kansas City's got a vibe about it where they're just having fun playing baseball and no one expects them to be good, so they're all playing loose. 
and we'll see we'll see what that does. But I was happy with him landing there, and and I definitely have a couple of Santana shares here and there, uh, especially in leagues where it's just like a lot of those uh, a lot of those what I was talking about earlier, the best ball cut line stuff, the NFBC stuff, where I'm just drafting and holding for the year. Santana's proven to, for the most part, I mean it can always go by the wayside, be durable, right? Like he plays a lot of games every year, and then he just is uh, racking up counting stats. So I'm I'm all in on Santana there. I'm probably I mean, I'm fading. I'm fading Guriel just because I. I mean, if hey, if Guriel hits 290 and slugs over 400, great. You you definitely got good return there for sure. And and he may even. I mean, if you're playing in Yahoo, he probably has like nine position eligibilities at this point. So, because Yahoo just decided to be in you know just anarchy over there. One game. One game. Yep. Just it's wild. I love Crazy. it. I um, oh, dude, you got like Ian Happ this year, and Yahoo is second, third in outfield. I've got one Yahoo League of all my leagues, so I, I did not know that. Yeah, and I mean, Jordan Alvarez is an outfielder in Yahoo. Things of this nature are just, if you have them, if you have them, you're celebrating like Matt is right now. Right. And if you don't have them, you are fucking pissed. <laughs> what What's Santana's ADP compared to Yuli's? Because I, I, I've never had, uh, I've never been in an opportunity where like, I'm going to take Yuli Santana, you know. I, I'm I'm always taking like I said, Yuli super late, and I'm kind of like I like that sleeper pick, you know, I like that flyer pick. So I I'd be curious to know the exact ADP of the bow of them. I yeah. I just I just picked uh, Carlos Santana and a 16 teamer that's going on right now in the 15th round, 231st overall. Is which that a dynasty? Might be a, what's that? Is that a dynasty league? It is a dynasty. Yeah. Okay. And Excuse so me, still that's. The first 25 rounds, we were allowed MLB, and then 26 to 50, it's only minor leagues. Okay. And Gurriel is still available after sure. 25 rounds. So I could pick him up right after the draft, right? So on fan tracks, Thurlow, the Santana ADP is 199.9, uh-huh. and Yuli is 278.5. That's interesting. They're, yeah. they're both going to be available in most of your leagues. Yeah. And a bargain. Yeah, Julie definitely a bargain. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's uh let's move along now and, and check on the uh the portfolio that Kyle is trying to sneak through on everybody. Kyle, tell us your deepest secrets about who you're holding in most of your leagues. Oh, oh yeah. Well that's easy. Um so so this year I and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick it more to, to the, you know, keep it more to the major leagues because I'm you know, trying to focus on that. But I have 100% shares of Cattell Marte, 100%. And I will fight everyone about Cattell Marte and about how you can throw out last year because it was, one, the weird COVID year. Two, he had a little weird wrist injury that he tried to play through. It didn't work. He literally changed up his entire approach. You can see it statistically in terms of his contact percentage, his walk percentage, and his strikeout percentage. Uh, he lost the power. But it is – and, you know, Cattell Marte is also one that you can go back and just like I did with Yuli, you could go back in 2019 and talk about the rabbit ball and talk about all those things. But he – then I would encourage you to go and look – up a seven-minute video of all of his home runs for 2019 and tell me that those were not absolutely tattooed. Um, and he is an ex-velocity monster. He hit a 484-foot home run. He, hit, he, uh, he, has five, he has five batted ball events over 110 miles an hour in spring this year. Uh, he's not striking out. He is walking. He, because the breakout came in 2019 after slow progression, um, 
he is he's he's criminally undervalued, and he's also playing second base. So second base is a wasteland. And in Yahoo, he's playing second, short, and outfield because whatever. Um, so I definitely have him in all my Yahoo leagues, and I, he's probably going to be my shortstop to to slide in there in, in the in the home league. But I mean, I just I think it's all real, and I think he there his market got majorly depressed because there was already haters not believing the 2019, and then the 2020 was the stutter step. And I mean, in spring training, with you know time off to heal and all those things, all the exit velocity is there. And so I think Cattell Marte is just going to smash baseballs all year long. So I have him everywhere, and I traded for him this offseason everywhere I could, and I got him for super cheap. I traded, like, in one of the in one of the dynasty leagues I'm in, I just traded. I had, like, I don't know, a million J2 dudes, most of which had not been able to play because there was no season. Or they didn't even, you know, like, they were they were taken in 2019, and they didn't actually play any professional, and then 2020 got canceled. So that, there's just nothing on them, and now they're 18, and I have no idea if they're any good. So I just traded, like, six of those dudes for Cattell Marte um, for, you know, and I've been beating down that dude's door for, for, for two years to give them to me. I have them in simply the best. I have them in all my draft and holds. I have them in all my prospect live best balls. Like, I have them everywhere, and I think it, I think it's going to pay dividends. So Cattell Marte for me is one that, Someone out there is not believing, uh, and I think he, he's, he's going to be exposed as just dope uh, very quickly. And he's already doing it in spring with the with the, the nonsensical exit velocities. So he's just uh, the only concern I have about Cattell Marte is that he is going back to the outfield most likely. And him running around in the outfield is sort of what dinged him up a little bit in the season where he was ridiculous in 2019. I mean, he had sort of like a weird... I can't even remember if it was like an actual stress fracture, but he just had all these weird, nothing cataclysmic, but just teeny little notches of injuries that if, you know, Arizona wasn't in it at the end of the year, so he just stopped playing, and that kills you in a head-to-head league. Nothing is worse than, you know, riding Clayton Kershaw the entire year only to have the Dodgers refuse to pitch in the last three weeks when you're in your fucking playoffs. Um, but, uh, you know, so anyway, Cattell Marte is definitely a dude that I'm all about. On the other side of the the hitter coin, and it's a little bit of um, well, it's not quite what what Matt was talking about, but it's or, or what Thurlow was talking about, but it's similar. Mike Yastrzemski. I I am all on Mike Yastrzemski right now, and I'm getting wow. him. Wow. Yeah, I'm getting him everywhere I can. I think he is. He's he's totally off book from everything that's happening in the major leagues right now. He is a late bloomer. He is someone who is sort of the complete player without being a standout in any one skill, except maybe walk percentage in an on-base league. Like he's looking pretty good, and he, you know, he pit, he hits in a giant ballpark. So he's getting dinged for that. He's getting dinged because he's 30 years old. He's getting dinged because he's a late bloomer, and then he's getting dinged because oh well, maybe the 2020 wasn't like real, and maybe that was just a hot streak. And 2019 is a rabbit ball. There's enough to sort of sink your teeth into doubt-wise on Yastrzemski that I think people are not taking him as high as they should. And I think he just provides, he's not bad at anything. You know what I mean? He's just good at a lot of stuff. And I think another thing he's getting dinged at is, um, you know, maybe we're going to have a ball that no one can hit out of the ballpark because major league baseball is fucking fun. And, um, uh, you know, so now, now the whole thing is like, maybe, maybe Yastrzemski isn't going to be able to get the power that he showed last year because the ball will be different and suppressive and all that. And I don't, until those things start to happen, I don't think you can really take him to the bank. And even he's the kind of hitter as well that even if he does lose some home run power, I think he's just going to replace that with doubles and triples in, in San Francisco. So, yeah, Mike Yastrzemski for me is a guy that I have a lot of shares of. So, Thurlow, when you're spending this much 
quality time invested in this many leagues, and even DFS, if you're doing DFS, do you pay attention to position battles like the one in Arizona? We both love Rojas. He looks like he's headed for second base. Marte, second base, center field. How much does that come into your thinking about whether you're relying on a player to produce every day or you're just going to shuttle him around in an active lineup? Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm all in on Cattell Marte as well. Uh, with uh, and you know where he where he lands, yeah, uh, that's you know whether it's outfield. I definitely get uh, that concern. You know uh, where he got banged up, but um, uh, when it comes to position battles, not really too much. Um, I'm just more or less uh, looking for the guy that. Uh, you know, if it's daily, you know, with, now I haven't done daily in years. So when I, now that I'm going to be doing it, it's obviously going to be looking at who they're facing pitcher-wise. Um, but, uh, you know, with Rojas, he has so much eligibility. Um, I, I just – I kind of look at that uh, – I, I kind of – I think when people look at the positions too hard, I think you're, you kind of limit yourself. Because, for one, if you're in a league where you can make a trade, like, why is it a bad thing to have – three third basemen. I know that seems, you know, crazy, but, you know, you have a utility spot. Like, uh, I, you know, the COVID league uh, we do, is it called the COVID league? With, uh, yeah, the quarantine league. The quarantine and, league, yep. Yeah, with, with Ethan, like, we keep uh, my co-manager, great manager. Uh, we did a good trade today with Urquidy, you know, and we would kind of go back and forth on things, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, what's what's the problem? Now we've got a guy to play utility. I, so when it comes to position battles, like, uh, you know, there, there's leagues, there's drafts where I do where I, I feel the utility early. I know that's probably not, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people probably are, 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 wouldn't do that, but I, I also like drafting on, uh, you know, value. If I see somebody fall, like I did a, uh, I did a draft in, uh, I did a best ball league the other day with another one of my friends. It's, uh, it's on this other website called like RT Sports. It's got a huge payoff. And I took Springer in, uh, it like super late, but I took him because I was like, you know, what, what if he plays? And, and then I ended up getting Blackman later. So to me, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but uh, that's kind of in a roundabout way, how I kind of look at things, you know, and every league I have Rojas in where it's like a one year league. I, I think I like to think I have contingency plans set in place in case he gets set down or in case he is a low side platoon, but I just, I don't see that. I think he's, finally here. And I usually fade young guys. You know, I'm usually going for the bets. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, another another weird late flyer, like a Nick Ahmed for Arizona. Uh, I, I really don't own many shares. It's probably not the greatest example, but that's the type of, uh, that's the type of guy I would be looking at uh, as opposed to a guy who, you know, might not play. Might not play. Absolutely right. I, the other thing I think about Rojas, too, is if you have a sh- in a league with a shallow bench and you have to be concerned about just a few spots, I love having a Rojas because I think he's also going to pick up shortstop eligibility, right? So if you're able to get second, short, and outfield covered with one player and you can tighten up other things on your bench that way, I think you've covered a lot. And pardon the pun, you've covered a lot of bases. Sorry, that's a terrible, terrible pun. I won't do that again. Uh, Craigers, what about you? Are you worried about position eligibility when you look at things like uh, Rojas and Kettle? Or yeah, are you worried about which position they're going to play, or are you just looking for guys that are going to play every day? No, I'm just looking for every day, guys that are going to get at bats and stats and stuff like that, kind of rhyme. But, yeah, just you can find 
You can find somebody who's going to produce anywhere. I like uh, Marte's good. Uh, he did have a bad year last year, but a lot of guys have bad years. We've talked about that before. I sold Yastrzemski uh, as well. And what's that? I was going to ask, are you in the camp of throwaway 2020 results? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, when Kyle was talking about Yastrzemski, I, I kind of traded him last year, kind of a lot of the same thoughts he was saying about the big ballpark and maybe he's just on a hot streak, but I kind of wish I, I would have kept him around. I was just looking, trying to find what I traded him for, but uh, I wish he's a guy I wish I would have kept around. Well, let's come back. Can you look that up, Mike? And we'll, let's come back for a second because Thurlow mentioned a trade. You made a trade this morning, Thurlow. Can you share that trade with us? You, you gave up some futures yeah. for some that, 2021 yeah. help. That, that was my uh, my cohort, uh, Ethan, doing that one. So we got, uh, what did we get, your Urquidy in that league? So we, we and I actually didn't even talk to him about it. He uh, he did this move, and uh, he's got carte blanche in that league. He's, uh, he's excellent. Um, and uh, it looks like... Uh, it looks like we acquired Urquidy. We gave up some uh, some minor league prospects that are, are a little bit far away. Um, we got Ken Giles for the back burner. We were talking about the fact that um, our bullpen is is going to be tough. You know, Yates went down. Uh, Edwin Diaz is always a question mark. Uh, but with it being a dynasty, you got to have him. And it saves and holds, I believe. So I, I think it's not going to be as bad as, as we think it's going to be. And uh, – Going back to the Astros, you know, we're we're both we're both a little bit Urquidy fans for sure, and uh, so I think it was it looked like it was just a no-brainer slam dunk. I saw it and I was like, that's that's perfect. I love the deal. Yeah, and you've got Tom Hatch in there too. I think is a good way to sneak in a an arm that people are sleeping on, and and gave up uh, Jonathan Scope and Avaldi and prospects. Really, he didn't give up a lot. Yeah, yeah, and Ethan's excellent at, at, at getting those those prospects, and uh, it's shown. I mean, the deals that he's made, you know, I mean, the <laughs> the Mike Trout trade, I know it might be a little sensitive uh, topic, but, yeah, I mean, just the trades that he pulls <laughs> off, I mean, he's, he's excellent. I would he call that pulling off, yeah, that was a heist. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, I'm sure you're checking on Yaz. Let's, uh, let's check in with Kyle on how we're feeling about Yaz right now. Yeah, I mean I... – I, I think you could look at a lot of – it definitely can be interesting to look at overall player lines and try to take the you know take out the names and take a look and see sort of where your biases maybe lie or where you're, you know, hyper-valuing 10 or 15 steals or what have you. So, you know, guys that – and if you take the last two seasons, right, because yastrzemski has been doing pretty remarkable and pretty consistent things for two years, right? Like his, his Woba in 2019 was a nice 353, and then in the sprint season he was at 407. But if, if you know, if I give you some, some triple slashes here, I'm going to give you five triple slashes, and these are all from the last season, uh, the last, like, 2019 and, and 2020, you know, sort of similar. So uh, 297, 400, 568. That's a good player. 282, 382, 521, that's a good player. 292, 366, 562, that's a very good player. Uh, 289, 337, 525, solid, probably should walk some more. And then 274, 376, 499, right? So, so we have all of those. One of those players is Mike Yastrzemski. One of those players is Mookie Betts. One of those players is Chris Bryant. One of those players is Michael Conforto. And one of those players is Nick Castellanos. Nick, wow. Castellanos. Nick Castellanos needs to walk a little bit more. So that's, you know, that's really what I'm, I'm looking at here is that 
even if let's say so let's say you, you take you know, obviously Yastrzemski he played well the whole year last year. If you take just his 2019, 272, 334, 518, that's a very good season. And he's got great launch angle stuff. He's got good max exit velocity. It's not elite, but it's good. Uh, he's, he's getting extra base hits. He's not a zero in steals, so you're not going to get more than like five probably. And, and so when I'm looking at what I'm going to have to pay for your Stremsey compared to what I might have to pay for Nick Castellanos or what I might have to pay for a guy like Michael Conforto, I think I'm going to take the discount. And, and bet on Yastrzemski not necessarily reaching the heights that he did last year in the sprint season, but even if he falls all the way back down to 2019, I still think that's a very valuable player. And if all he does from, from 2019 to 2020 is maintain his gains in walk percentage and approach, which was going from a, a 7.8 walk percentage in 2019 to 13.3 in 2020. And that 13.3 lines up with a lot of his stops along the way in the minor leagues when Baltimore didn't give him a shot. Yeah, Baltimore sucks. And um, I can't, I just, I, I remember when I dug into him a while ago and I was just like, Oh, Baltimore didn't recognize the talent. Even with the name Yastrzemski didn't give him a shot. Didn't even give him a cup of coffee. Didn't have one game played for Baltimore. Criminal, and it's Christian not like Walker and Yastrzemski together. Thing. It's yeah, yeah it's I'll not like and you're looking Walker. at you're looking at his minor league stats and you're like, well, it wasn't like he was bad. Uh, how about that? How about how about that that uh, that you know? Let's see, we got three eighty six, four four thirty six, six ninety nine over a twenty game stretch in Double A. I mean, he uh, in his last year, twenty eighteen, before they abandoned him to San Francisco. Granted, he's a little older. His last year, AAA, 2018, legitimate statistics, 94 games. He hit 265, 359, 441. Not special. Definitely worth sending him to the big team to see if there's anything there with his bloodlines. I mean, good Lord. So, yeah, I, I just like – I think Yastrzemski is – I mean, the, the projection systems do not really like him outside of, like, maybe ATC. He doesn't have the, the craziest batted ball info, but I, I've watched him play, and I think he, he's just a – He's a guy that's getting the most out of his skills. And and I, I, I think you can get him for a lot cheaper than some of those other guys. Obviously, take Mookie Betts over Michael Ustremski. But that was just as a, like, you know, that was just as a, uh, as a look at these stats from 2020 last year. The big difference is that, you know, Mookie stole 19, 20 bases or whatever, and Ustremski stole two. But that's who he was on pace with. That's who he's he playing company, with. for sure. Yeah, and the Giants... The Giants have a sneaky – the Giants are just getting the most out of their talent on every ways, and it's not like it's going to be amazing. They're not going to make the playoffs with, with the Dodgers and the Padres there and all that stuff. But, like, I don't know. You just can't count out the Giants to do some weird magic devilry uh, and, and be semi-relevant. And Yastrzemski is a good example of that. Like, they just plucked him, and now he is – you know, last year in a 5x5 five five league, I think Yahoo had him rated as the 21st overall player. So that's where his numbers were last year, uh, you know, for – for something like that, as much as those rankings are wildly flawed. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right. I was wrong on Yastrzemski. Uh, he was free in any league pretty much in 2019. Free. And I could have had him cheap, like Mike describes. If you, I, I had one of our pre, prior guests offer me Yastrzemski in a trade, and, and I said, nah, he's just a guy. Completely wrong. And you have to know when you're wrong. Sometimes you've yeah. got to take a chance. Yeah, we, we will see. I just took him. Actually, we do a little thing in my, in my home league where it's called the spin the choice. And uh, anyone who is a King of the Hill fan is going to know what that reference is. But if you're not, you're not going to know. Anyway, you, we essentially have, we have 17 total, total keeper spots you can take. If you so choose, you can abandon your final keeper spot 
and you can decide to enter the spin the choice round, which is a round that happens before the draft that is just the abandoned keepers. So it doesn't include any of the first-year player draft dudes. It doesn't include, you know, guys that were on the DL and dropped or whatever. It just includes, like, you know, and it, it becomes this really interesting, uh, really interesting choice of who do I want to leave unprotected before the draft? Who do I want to keep? What's my what's my uh, what's my draft pick in the spin the choice? So this year I had number four, and I have a heck of a lot of pitching already, and so I actually decided to uh, to throw Joe Musgrove back into the pool so that I could get Yastrzemski out of it because I needed a little bit more hitting help, uh, and so yeah, and now that I, Zach Gallon has been injured, I regret that because pitchers are already dropping and. I don't want to talk about Zach Gallon. I'm going to leave that for later when I will cry on this podcast. Next <laughs> guest, please. Next guest. We'll get right back to our episode after this quick break. The Unranked is brought to you by FigureFilbert.com. Check us out for discounts, coupons, and special offers for your baseball season. From big league merchandise to your little league team at FigureFilbert.com. Craigers, while we've been talking about uh, hairline fractures, I could not find the Yastrzemski trade. Were you able to track it down? I did. I found it, and I went for pitching. I got three pitchers for him, and I wish I would have kept them. I got Zach Thompson from the Cardinals, uh, SWR, Sim, Simeon Wood, Woods Richardson from the Blue Jays, and Dean Kramer. Not the best. Let me guess you made that trade with Ryan. Uh, no, I made it with uh, Jarrett, Miami. That's oh. in the Kenny Powers League. Okay, Kenny Powers. And you gave up yeah, the ass. Wow. Well, uh, anytime Jared asks for something, I know now after I've traded him Karen Jack a little too easily, I realize that I should look closer at anything he's asking for. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Doug, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, Craigers, do you have uh, – oh, sorry, let me make sure we're, we're there, Kyle. Those are your two. Are you good? Those are my two, Cattell Marte and Mike Yes. Okay. Uh, Craigers, what about you? Who are you going into 2021 on the hitting side with the most shares of? Well, in leagues that I compete in, I have uh, Carlos Santana from Kansas City. Um, new lineup, great hitter, great on-base guy. We've already talked about him today, but I, he's, he's a guy I like to keep around in, in leagues that I'm competing in. Um, a league where I have a lot of prospects, I'm going for – Gage Workman, uh, Buddy Reed, Johan Oviedo, and Jonah Heim as hitters. I don't really, I don't know, I don't really have a lot of pitchers that I trust. <laughs> so I kind of stay away from them. But Gage Workman, I like him. I think he's going to come up and do good things. Um, he's got to start to hit better. Uh, I've noticed that he's a switch hitter, and he, he looks like, like dog shit from the right side, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Left-handed bat, he uh, he fouls everything off. He he has a lot of good good at bats left-handed, but uh, great defensively. I could see him as like a John McDonald kind of come up utility guy and maybe find a swing one day in the in the majors with a good team in Detroit. Um, Oviedo is maybe the one pitcher I kind of keep in in leagues that could kind of surprise people and and uh, crack a bullpen spot or something. He's got a big build, uh, good fastball. Buddy Reed, I've just I've been waiting for him for a few years to to crack a lineup with San Diego. Now in Oakland, I think he's got a shot. Uh, he's hurt right now, but you don't know. He's got a great arm, great outfielder, just the kind of Oakland player that uh, 
that they like to bring up and, and actually do some good things there. And Jonah Heim, a catcher for the Rangers, he's going to be the backup catcher to start this year. So he's a good guy to have on your team, especially in a deeper league, uh, for sure. I have to say, those are very Mike picks. I've watched you pick up yeah. Jonah Heim in all of our leagues. And, of course, you were in on Buddy Reed a long time ago. So Yeah, and they're all, they're all kind of free, a lot of them. Yeah. Gage Workman, you can get in like the third or fourth round in an FYPD, which is they're probably all done now, but you might be able to find him in a league that you can hold on to him for a few years if he's if he wasn't picked up. And you're gonna get Buddy Reed's a great athlete. You're gonna get a few stolen bases out of him too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so those are my guys. You you guys can tell that uh, Craigers is playing in super deep leagues if he's rostering Buddy Reed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thurlow, yeah, how many shares of Buddy Reed do you have? Zero. <laughs> I, I, I listen to you guys for the education on those guys. That's that, that's a beautiful thing. Shifting. I don't. Uh, I don't. I can spend more time on these uh, these these old Uli Guriel. I don't have to worry about Buddy Reed till he's been in the bigs for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good point too. Well, I'll, I'm going to give two outfielders, and neither of these is going to be a surprise for you guys. I'm sure. Uh, they're both sort of modest five-tool-level guys that I just absolutely love and have the most shares of going into the 2021 season. Ramon Laureano, by far and away the guy that I own the most of. Uh, just I absolutely love the guy's uh, contributions, and I think he's still underappreciated. He had a crap 2020. So many people did. I'm not going to hold that against him, and I'm still thinking he can go 27 and 15, and if he does that, I'm – just taking that to the bank. So very excited about Loriano still. And the guy that I cannot quit, no matter how many chances he's been given and not come through, is Franchi Cordero. I just cannot give up on him. I'm hoping that he runs with the center field job in Boston to hold off Jaron Duran long enough to to give me, you know, 15 and 15 or something like that. Love the tools. He rakes right-handers. So even if he ends up in a platoon, hopefully it's the long side and he produces – I cannot quit Cordero. There's nothing I can do. I'm powerless against him. And if he's on the wire in a league that I'm in with anyone that's listening, I'm bidding. And I'm probably wasting a roster spot on it. I just cannot quit Frenchie Cordero. So somebody talk me off the ledge. I probably should be willing to let go of my addiction to Frenchie, but uh, I can't do it. Yeah, 100%. He's not very good. He should definitely get off that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I hear you though. We all have those dudes that we just continue to believe in, that we just can't not. Uh, I have, a, I have a buddy who just can't. It's, he's got the double threat of Franchi and Franmil, and he just can't, you know, uh, he just can't not. And he's, he's, he's been texting me every day, like, okay, so real talk, thirty-five home runs for Franmil. What do you think? And I'm, and I'm just like, you know, it definitely is possible. Take him because I don't want him. So please take him in the leagues we're in. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I guess anytime, you know, it's always, it's always tricky. I feel like I don't want to put a caveat ahead of every single thing I say, but the deeper the league, the more relevant Franchi Cordero is. And there's, there's going to be space for him to, to run and to see if he actually can make it in Boston. Right. Like that's, he's not on a, Boston's not contending for anything this year unless, you know, mountains move and the moon falls from the sky. Uh, so that's the kind of, you know, that's that's the kind of situation where I will give an extended look to someone like a Franchi because it's like, well, 
it might it might go horribly wrong, but at the very least we'll know. They won't get pulled early uh, because uh, we you know we got to compete. We got to win 90 games this year, and that's not going to be his style. I think like uh, sort of like Thurlow was saying earlier, I guess a guy like in Colorado, that's like Rymel Tapia, right? Like Rymel Tapia is supposed to lead off in Colorado. I don't think he's very good, but if he's hitting in Colorado and he's hitting leadoff. Uh, they they have no reason not to give him 60, 70, 80 games to really figure that out. So, you know, keep your eye on those types of players that are in situations where you're going to know by the end of it what it is. And I, I do value knowledge versus the unknown when it comes to some players. So, Thurlow, give us a sense of your, uh, your take on the five tool guys or marginal five tool guys. Let's talk about marginal five tools. So if you're looking at late in a draft and you want to – worry about stolen bases late, are you more likely to take a pure runner, a Nick Heath, in a deep league who, I mean, Nick Heath's a terrible example because he doesn't play, but somebody who's just speed, or are you looking for a guy who's going to add 10 stolen bases to your depth? Yeah, you know, you can go either way. I think I think I can go either way on that. Um, you know, I I do have a lot of Miles Straw shares. I think those are going to go by the wayside, though. I, You know, they're more or less, they're, they're starting to bat him late. Um, as Shep just said, too, about Rymel Tapia, I've got a few shares of that. Uh, pretty much an empty bat. But, yeah, I, I think any time that you can you can grab a guy that's going to contribute those categories, like, like Yastrzemski, perfect example. Um, maybe he's not the greatest example now. Going, you know, he might not be going as super late as he used to. But, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely uh, I would definitely be looking for, you know, more of a, a stable guy that's going to contribute in much more overall. Now stolen bases, I mean, you get, you know, you, you get almost, you know, you get three, four, five stolen bases a week. That's, that's good enough and had to head a lot of times. I mean, shoot, there's some times where you might win with two. So, you know, you're getting, and, and once again, Josh Rojas, what if, what if he steals? We don't, you know, we don't know. That's, that's the thing with that, you know? So yeah, I could, I can go either way on that, but you know, like, you know, the straw or the tapia, they're kind of more of like a last-round pick, you know. They're still there. Uh, Garrett Hampson later on, so. Yeah, I love Hampson for the steals and the multi-position eligibility, again, with those short benches. Love that. Yeah, hopefully hopefully the Rockies let these guys play. Yeah, I hate the Rockies for that. Same yeah, every year. Similar, but without the genius problem of the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just checked, and... Rymel Tapia is not owned in a third of my leagues. That's interesting. Yeah, all leadoff hitters should be owned. Full Three stop. stolen bases and a lot of runs, right? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, Mike did the transition for us. First of all, nobody talked me off the ledge on Franchi. What about Loriano? Any thoughts on Loriano? I, I like Loriano generally. I mean, I think he's an interesting case because a lot of people are going to look at that, that 2020 and be disappointed, but then also maybe look at the – gains he made in walk percentage, you know, getting it over 10% for the first time. But he also could be one of those players where the gains in walk percentage are actually working against him because he needed to be more aggressive on the pitches he could drive. And I, I'm someone, so what I guess I'm hoping for is a middle, middle ground, right? I'm hoping for not a necessarily a 10% walk percentage, but not going back down to the fives. So he, 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 he's, he, he can learn from what he did last year and find that happy middle ground. And if that's the case, I like Loriano, man. I think he can. He had some bad issues last year too. I think he can. Uh, he can be a sort of across the board producer and someone that does give you that, you know, ten on the high end, fifteen for the for the steals, and that's awesome. And with the depressed market, that you know, that's 
if he can actually give if he if he can give you 2010, man, that's going to be that's going to be solid. 2715 would be a huge win, but 2010 feels pretty conservative if you you know if the injuries don't get him again or whatever. He did try to fight you know an entire bench of of players as well. I like that. So you know all those things. I I'm, I'm, I like Loriano a lot, man. I just think I'd be interested to see what happens to that walk percentage and sort of his aggressiveness because there's just some players that need to be more aggressive and can't be passive to be successful. And he might be one of those guys. Seems like Loriano and Amir Garrett are destined to be on the same team at some point. Oh, that would be ooh, that'd be something. I also really like Loriano because he was giving an interview and they were like, "What are you trying to do this spring?" And his response was, "I'm trying to not suck." <laughs> And I just respect that honesty and that uh, that flippant attitude towards, you know, yeah. softball press questions about, like, I'm trying to be better at baseball. I'm trying to get ready for this. What do you want me to say here? Dumbass so, clown reporter questions. Yes. yes. I'm trying to not suck. Is Jen, I put it on a shirt. Thurlow, you, you brought up the tapia thing, with, which I think is genius. So would you rather tapia or straw? I would rather take the risk on straw. At this point, I think that there's, you know, there's a little bit more of, you know, you got the DH there, so there's just a little bit more of an angle for him to play. I think even if he bats like ninth, which would be a curse, I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to get on base. Uh, he he's an to me I I like I said I'm falling off the wagon. Probably both. I, I'm just kind of getting away from him. I think he's the type of guy that's going to go over three a lot of nights, but still have a stolen base. He's going to beat out that double play ball. He's going to steal second. He might even score the run. I think he's that he's that one for four guy. And if he bats eighth or ninth, he's not going to get that fourth at bat. That's going to kill him. I think I just think that's what he is at. Probably at best, he's a one for four type of guy. Uh, yep. I, and like I said, I just think with the the added DH and and he's. As far as I know, he's going to make the team. He's going to be there. I think it's going to be hard for him not to lead off at least a good percentage of those times. And, you know, going back to the Rockies doing what they do, somebody's going to be – somebody's going to miss out there. I mean, C.J. Crone ever already loved. He's already stolen a lot of – he's not – he's stolen, obviously, playing time from somebody. And, uh, you know, there's only so many mouths to feed, even with Arenado gone. Fuentes played third the other day, which means McMahon's not playing, right? Yeah. yeah. I hate the Rockies for that. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, would you rather Straw or Tapia? Uh, I'm gonna go Tapia. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go him simply because of sort of what I said before, which is if Straw isn't good to start. And I mean, he he does play solid defense, but if Straw isn't good to start, the Astros think they're gonna be good. The Astros are trying to make the playoffs. The Astros are in a division full of you know teams that are not as good as them. I you know for the most part, I think the Angels might surprise a little bit this year. We'll see. But the Astros don't have the ability to just sit there. And they also have some guys that they could bring in and just run out of the outfield um, and, and, and see if it sticks. And, and, you know, got some, they got some hitters as well that are sort of waiting there. So if straw comes out and just can't hit over 200 or can't hit over 230 or whatever it is, he's not a big walk guy. I, that's, that's, so that's why I would lean towards Tapia. Obviously the Coors effect is, is there. And I like that. I don't hate that. I think it's almost offset by the fact that every single amazing pitcher in the world is pitching in San Diego and Los Angeles and, you know, <laughs> the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and are going to have and the Giants are going to have a tough time contending with that. That said, I want I want Tapia because I think he's the as stupid as the Rockies are and I I'm, I'm here to see it firsthand in Colorado. I think he just gets more run 
if he stutters. And I think so that's, you know, whereas Miles might just get sent down or benched or, you know, used as a defensive replacement. So the longer leash, as good a reason as any. All right. So Mike made the transition for us. Uh, Craigers mentioned Johan Oviedo, who's obviously a super deep league guy and doesn't look like he's in the rotation to begin the year, although he ended it last year. Uh, you know, obviously this is going to be a year where we've got to carry a dozen starters to get a half dozen to play. And then it's going to be one of those weird seasons where lots of teams have six man rotations. So let's follow uh, what Mike brought up with his pitchers and talk about what arms you're carrying. Thurlow, what arms do you have the most shares of headed into 2021? Well, once again, when I'm going through my teams uh, and looking at the most shares, it's, it's going to be guys that, uh, that I'm picking towards the end of drafts that obviously I'm excited about. I mean, I have my fair shares of, DeGroms and Beavers and Coles, uh, but obviously with those guys going at the top, uh, that's going to be more spread out. Um, there's recency bias in Bryce Wilson. I'm a Braves fan. He got the fifth uh, starter job. And, you know, I, I, nobody talks about Ian Anderson's control, in my opinion, control issue. And I know Bryce Wilson's not a world beater, and I'm wavering him everywhere. Same with uh, Luis Garcia. So those are guys that I'm not necessarily that I didn't draft, but I'm grabbing now. So I'm I'm in the process of loading up on shares of those guys, and uh, like I said, being a Braves fan, I'm I'm always going to be privy to a guy like uh, a guy like Wilson or somebody who's not owned hardly anywhere. Uh, not buying in on Ian Anderson yet, uh, so that's kind of where I stand there. Uh, then I've got very mediocre but very solid Chris Bassett in a lot of places. I think there's. I think there might be something there. I don't have any stats to back it up. Just uh, seeing him be consistent over the years and just contribute. Um, and the last guy's Bill and Cease. Uh, and kind of like you said with Frenchie, I just I can't get off. I can't get off of him. I've been, I've been a fan ever since, and I'm not a White Sox fan. I've got I have no, I can't why, but I just think this year could be special. Um, it's too bad Mike left because I, uh, I wanted to bring this up. I, uh, I, I did a trade that would make Mike so happy. I, uh, actually, this was offered to me. I didn't, even, uh, I didn't even present this. I got Conforto, McClanahan from the Rays, and Kevin Gosman for Cease and McMahon, and I got the guys' first and second round picks for next year in a dynasty. It was offered Damn. to me. I mean, yeah, I was like, and, and I can't believe nobody said anything in the group chat. So it hurt giving up Cease, but it didn't hurt that much. That's a great trade. Yeah. yeah, it was offered. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> Maybe you know something I don't. Maybe McMahon's going to be the MVP. I don't know. Maybe Cease wins the Cy Young. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, I mean, and you got the picks. Yeah, and Conforto's so solid. And it rounded out my team. I've got Cattell Marte in center. I got Conforto, Castellanos. I mean, my, my for a 16-team league, I mean, it, it rounded out my team. And I still have Cole and Bueller and, I mean, it, the team's loaded. It's, it, I, I can't wait for the season to start. It's the first year of that league, so I'm, I'm really excited to start dominating there. Beautiful. Doc, tell us about the pitchers you have the most shares of going into 2021. Ah, oh, Zach Gallen. It just hurts, man. It just, Sorry. It, just, it just it sucks so much because I've been on Gallen for a long time, and I honestly – before the injury, all these things like, you know, there was a lot of talk about who's your, who's your fourth pitcher this year. Who are you, who are you taking, you know, sort of fourth overall after the DeGrom, the Cole 
and the Beebs. And for me, it was Zach Allen. A lot of people were talking about Louis Castillo. A lot of people were talking about Lucas Giolito. Both those dudes are great. And you're not going to you're not going to go wrong with them at all. But for me, sort of, I would be much happier to wait two rounds and be able to get Zach Allen in sort of a more shallow league. Until this injury, he just seemed like, like all the things I'm saying are just making me very sad. But until this injury, which came in a batting cage, which makes me want to freak out, um, hopefully he can just you know keep his arm going and and his bones will fuse and whatever, rub some CBD on it. I don't know, but um. Yeah, uh, you know, so Zach Allen for me is the guy that I have everywhere. I traded for him everywhere. He still could, you know, come up huge if he just is able to, you know, if that doesn't become an issue for the whole year. Um, but I just love him. And I, for me this year, I'm going after guys who are going to pitch innings. I think you, you you're, you're going to get a lot more guys that are sort of trending in the Blake Snell way of like, you know, three, four, five innings, and then they're out. And even that fifth inning is questionable. You know, uh, Thurlow mentioned Louis Garcia, and I don't, I don't know if the Astros are going to pitch him beyond three or four innings. You know, every game that they that they play him, which could yield some good stats, but also the innings is going to be tricky. So, with all that said, there's a couple other guys that I'm going after. Sort of an upside play that's not about innings necessarily. I'll, I'll get off the plate is Tyler Molly uh, of the Cincinnati Reds. I've always been a fan of what he can do, just in terms of command, because I'm sort of a command whore. Um, and he he's one of those guys where because he didn't have a pitch that was super, super swing and miss, it didn't look like he had the command that he did because he was nibbling, and so he was walking more dudes than um, <clears throat> than, than someone with, with, with command that he has is going to do, like three and a half per nine. Now he's got a slider that can, that can wipe dudes out, and there's no Wade Miley. Well, there is, but whatever. You know, they got rid of Trevor Bauer, so there's he's not going to lose his – Man, when he lost his rotation spot last year, I was pissed um, it, to start the year anyway with Wade Miley because Wade Miley deserves everyone's time. But um, so Tyler Molly is a guy that I that I have almost everywhere. Uh, I actually traded Austin Meadows for Tyler Molly uh, in a league this year simply to stack pitching because I think it's just going to be harder to come by, and I wanted to have – I usually prioritize hitting in that league, but this year I just wanted a plethora of pitchers. And, uh, and you know, it's fun to, to, to hate trade Austin Meadows as a Pirates fan. So – those things. But then there's guys, there's like three guys that I'll mention that are just innings plays and they're not going to give you anything statistically that's going to rock your world, but they're probably going to pitch six innings a lot of the time or more. Uh, and it's, it's not the easy one like Kyle Hendricks or whatever. Uh, it's Dallas Keuchel. He is just a guy that's, he's proven that he can just continue to pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. And, you know, maybe it comes with a six and a half K to nine or a seven K to nine, but if he is just one of those things, like it's very obvious because of his ground ball tendencies. If he just catches a lucky year and that batted batting average on balls in play is low, Dallas Keuchel is very good. Um, and he is going to pitch you a lot of innings week to week, season to season. And he's, he's pitching for a team that, that, you know, if you're still playing with wins, because most of us still are, because we're Neanderthals, uh, he's going to be a valuable player in my opinion. So I like Keuchel a lot um, for, for this year, for just the innings play and sort of going along with that, uh, as a more of a younger guy, is Zach Davies, uh, who was just traded to, to, to the Cubs. I have a bunch of shares of him simply because he, he's very similar mold in that he changed up his pitch, pitch mix a lot last year. He found a lot of success, but he can just throw six-plus innings to start if he's not getting bombed. And, he's you know, he's, he's Chicago is not necessarily – well, it depends on the time of year, but he should do well in Chicago, I think, with, with the ballpark there, depending on how the wind is going. So Zach Davies is another guy that he's going to pitch you six innings. Maybe it's only four Ks. Maybe it's three Ks, but he's not going to walk a bunch of dudes. I like, I like having those guys to support all my upside plays. And then the, the third one I'll bring up 
um, not just because he's named uh, Sheffield, but is Justice Sheffield uh, in Seattle. And he's sort of an interesting one because you can look at his hard hit data and you can get a little concerned, but then you merge that with the home runs that he's allowed or, frankly, lack thereof, and you're like, huh. So he's getting hit hard, but he's not getting hit hard enough to actually do the home run damage. That's interesting. He changed up his, his pitch mix from when he was uh, when he was coming up as in the minor leagues. His slider has become a different kind of weapon. Uh, and it's a – I don't know. He's, he's someone that I watch pitch and I own jerseys of just because they say Sheffield. But he's a guy to me that has figured out a way to – you know, in Seattle's a very similar situation. Seattle, you know, Seattle's messing around with all sorts of different rotations and who knows. But I think, you know, if you look at what he did last year, Justice Sheffield can go out there and pitch you five, six innings, and he's not going to get too many wins, and maybe the Ks won't, you won't be over a K per nine. But he seems to me to be someone who is really honing his craft. And I'm liking, I'm like, when I see that from pitchers like Molly getting that new slider, someone like Joe Musgrove almost abandoning the fastball and throwing all his breakers, uh, Sheffield, you know, abandoning a fastball, changing it up, uh, you know, messing around with his slider, velo, and really, you know, you know, Jose Barrio switching to the to one side of the rubber or not. All those things where a pitcher is honing their craft and really dialing in their ability to be effective, and not necessarily just in Ks that we all go gaga for in fantasy, but in just compiling outs. And more so than ever before, I think this year is about compiling outs. So those are the guys that seem to have a lot of shares of. Gallon, may he rest in peace, uh, Molly, Keiko, Sheffield, and Zach Davies. So those, are the, so those are sort of the dudes that I am chasing as opposed to, ooh, I also have a lot of Lance McCullers Jr. because I just he's a guy I can't quit. I'm a Lance. I'm just like, oh, I, I just think about the 25 million fastballs he threw in a row to the Yankees and how they knew it was coming. They still couldn't hit it, and it was the playoffs. Yeah. Lance McCullers Jr. is also a guy I have who doesn't fit that mold because he could just do his Lance McCullers Jr. thing. But I can't quit him. It's a Brokeback Mountain situation. He, yeah, he may uh, he may break 100 innings in any given season, right? It's just He's one of those. Yeah. But pitching. Uh, Thurlow, if you're in a league where you need eight – Guys, giving you quality starts. Are you buying Adrian Hauser or Zach Davies? I'd go with the, I'd go with Davies. Track record. Yeah, I I want to buy in on Adrian Hauser, but yeah, it's you go with Davies and the fact that he gets the outs, he figures out how to get them. Yep. Uh, okay, I've got a couple. I would love you guys to shoot holes in these. I. In the founding draft of Kenny Powers in 2017, I took Chris Paddock in the 38th round coming back from Tommy John, if you remember. So he, I think the following spring, jumped from high A to the majors, if I, if I remember that correctly. And boy, did I just get lucky with that. So I have a lot of shares of Chris Paddock, and I feel like that last uh, jump up in ERA doesn't reflect what he's doing with his pitch mix now. So... In a couple leagues, I've actually gone back and gotten him again for another round because I was able to get him cheap last offseason. People have kind of thought that a, he's a mid-fours guy. I don't think he is. I think that strikeouts are going to take another jump, and I think he's added a fourth pitch. I think he's just a stud. So you guys can tell me I'm nuts, but we'll see. I mean, he's got the attitude, and I think the best thing about an ace is there are things you can't teach about the attitude, right? He wants to be the, the big hat guy, and so that's one of the things I love about him. And other guys I'm, I've been buying low on, you say Kikuchi. I think the secondaries don't match the numbers from last year, and, um, and I just think he's going to come out and, and uh, 
potentially really surprised, especially over a regular length season where those numbers will level off and, and the kind of crazy results from last year that six ERA is just insane. And I've been going out and grabbing Kikuchi as much as I can. And for whatever reason, I like Spencer Turnbull a lot. I think he's built like a tree. He's, you know, 12 feet tall and 900 pounds, and he's just going to go be a horse. So if you're in a quality starts league, the team sucks. If you're in a wins league, don't do a Detroit Tigers pitcher right now. But uh, quality starts, Turnbull is just built like a brick shithouse, and I'll take it every time. So I like him a lot. I think, you know, he's probably major league average when it comes to the stats, the counting stats. But, um, you know, if you're in any league where you've got 10 starters, that, that's, that's SP9 or 10 for me. And the one guy that I think comes out way above where people give him credit for based on what the indicators say is Framber Valdez. And I've gone and traded this offseason for Framber in as many leagues as I could. I'm, I'm sad that he'll be gone for six weeks or so with a broken finger, whatever that turns out to be in, in terms of time away. But if you look at the indicators for him, he's got an incredible combination of ground balls and strikeouts that are epic highs. So I think that just avoids hard contact. And I may have said this in, in other episodes before. I just love Framber. I'm buying. I've bought him in a bunch of leagues. I've bought him in mid-sized leagues. Uh, I've bought him in, uh, in as many dynasties as I could. And I've taken him in my redraft leagues this year as well. So Framber, I'm all in. Paddock, I'm all in. Kikuchi and Turnbull, I'm buying. What do you guys think? Am I nuts? I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Kikuchi and, and Paddock – as much as they're totally different, um, they're doing things that you need to be paying attention to, and that is using analytics and creating tangible differences in what they're what they're throwing, and then hinting at you know Kikuchi did it a little bit last year with some decent output, and and just sort of when you look individual pitches, he's clearly learning and growing, and there was something there. There's a reason why he came over to the states and why there you know we were all about him. And then there was also reasons why it didn't work. So, and he's, he's fixing those, right? And I, I, I think he's, his price tag is absolutely minuscule. And so that's great. And I think he could return a decent, you know, the, the return on investment there could be very nice. Paddock is another guy who he came up, he sort of surprised everyone with what he could do, and then the league adjusted. And, you know, last year we saw the results of that, and it wasn't pretty uh, compared to what it was the year before. But he's also, you know, he's, he, if you can actually, it's not just analytics fix everything. It's not just Soto fixes everything, but it is tinkering with grips, you know, cha- cha- changing, cha- taking it full stock, a- a- having a, com- Paddock is not someone who's been doing that in his career. And if he can actually take in that information and change and grow and add pitches, because that was part of the problem, right, is that his third pitch was kind of whack. Um, and now he's he's working on that in terms of you know figuring out his spin rates, figuring out spin mirroring, figuring out seam shifted seam shifted wake, all those things, right? And the Padres are all about that. So I like I like Paddock as well. I think if anyone out there is like, oh, I don't know about Paddock, I should sell him. Like, yeah, definitely buy because he's going to be cheaper this year than probably he ever he ever will be. I'm not really a big Turnbull guy, but I see why people like him, and I think he's a good late round flyer. Uh, to sort of help bolster, you know, your 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 staff with uh, with innings, and then yeah, Framber is another one where it's like, well, we had that scare, but then maybe it's not a scare. And anytime I hear second opinion, <clears throat> Zach Gallon, I get worried. But um, <laughs> but you know, for for her for Framber, it seems like you know that was a weird one. It's like so he yeah. still pitched with the injury, and it was just like the most innocuous little thing, and he's supposed to be out for the year. So I mean, I'm sure yeah, that. 
He came back gonna... out with a broken finger. Yeah, so I yeah, I think that there's a good especially for like a head to head league, right? Like jump on Framber late because he'll he might be there uh, at the end of the year when you need him in your, you know, playoffs and championships. So yeah, I, I generally like all those guys, but I'll kick it over to Thurlow. How long's Gallon out for? I've I've seen everything but an ETA. Is there an ETA on that? Well, a freak injury like that? Because I don't. I've know. got plenty of shirts. Nobody knows. Yeah. No, we don't know because it's it's not an injury that people or pitchers get. Get exactly. And and yeah. it's just it's a it's a very weird and rare one. And he pitched with it, and he pitched yeah. well. He just couldn't throw the curveball without it hurting. So. Maybe I don't know. I've never had. I've never actually had a fracture. I've broken things, but I've never had a fracture. Um, and I'm also not a professional athlete. Side note. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what. <laughs> I stop the podcast now. He's not a professional athlete. Um, yeah. So uh, we people don't know. And the idea. What, what sort of gives me hope, though, is that he can throw during the recovery. It's not like a flexor strain. It's not like it's not a shoulder impingement. It's not a labrum. It's not a lat strain. It's not any of those things. It's this very bizarre bone thing that was not problematic enough to actually stop him from pitching in spring training and that he can throw lightly as he is recovering. So I don't know. If I was the Diamondbacks, I'd probably just, I mean, we're not, they're not going to do any damage this year. I'd probably just hold him off for like eight weeks and just let him get good to go, let him keep throwing lightly and then ramp him up and, and get him back in, but again, not a professional athlete, not a doctor, never had a fracture. I'm going to say Zach Gallon definitively. Then, with all that, eight weeks. Oh my God! You just reminded me. We we need the this man is not a doctor. He just plays one on a podcast disclaimer to the Doc Brown segments. Yeah, no, we definitely Oops. need that. Uh, Thurlow, when I traded Dylan Bundy this off season in our deep league, you were the first to congratulate me on the return. Do you remember that? I don't. I am sorry. <laughs> so I traded Dylan Bundy for Yusei Kikuchi and three first-round picks. That's right. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. It we, felt we like a feeling. Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Kikuchi fan myself. So, yeah, that's right. You, so, you sold Bundy high. I think you did great. So I think, I think Bundy's a nice pitcher, though. But, yeah, that was, that was a great trade. I would have congratulated you on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think at the time I was looking at the secondaries for Kikuchi and thinking, you know, these guys are pretty close to the same pitcher. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah I, hope the, I hope the Mariners don't do the six-man rotation. I know that will hurt a little, but, you know, they, a lot of times they say they're going to do that and it lasts for a minute, and then, you know, it's back to five-man, you know. Remember when the Rockies did a four-man and it was 75 pitches? They capped it. What was that, like six, seven years ago? They did the stacking, yeah. Yeah, so funny. They were way ahead. The six-man rotation is like the Southeast Giant. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I bought the book. I'm doing it. It's going to work definitively. And then you run it out there and you're like, what is this? This is trash. Yeah, this is trash. Terrible idea. Yeah, it's terrible idea. Like soda and a burger. Exactly, because some, pitcher, some pitcher shows up and they're like, they're like uh, well, I'm a burger and fries. And I'm delicious, and here's seven innings, 10Ks, and you're like, mm, roll this guy out in four days. Yeah. yeah we're not gonna Send him back out there. Yeah. Did you guys notice how many of these guys, or uh, at, least, I, at least I think I'm, I, I think it's interesting, uh, all these guys uh, adding pitches to the repertoire? You know, you got Fred, I, th- I know we talked before the podcast, Freddie Peralta earned a spot. 
He's got a new pitch. Uh, Stroman's got that new, what do you call it? I, I don't want to say it wrong. Was it like a, a cha- it's a combination of a changeup, and it looks great. Slutter. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a huge Stroman fan by any means. I think, is it Chef, is it, is it you and I that don't like Stroman? Or, I don't know, somebody is simply the best with me. We're just like, maybe it's Ryan, and not a fan of Stroman, but I am no, I love, watching that. I like Stroman a lot. I like Stroman yeah. a lot because he's very basic but he like, he's just never been bad, and granted he's been injured, but he's yeah. just never – he's not a blow-up pitcher. And as a head-to-head player, blow-up pitchers, <laughs> you, know, you know how it goes when they blow up and they ruin your whole week. So that's yep. sort of what I like about Stroman is he's not a blow-up guy, but he's also not – you know, he's not going to strike out 10 dudes so in a game, yeah. generally speaking. But, hey, he's got a new pitch, offense. so maybe he's the best player in baseball now. Yeah. And a good offense but behind him now, too. A giant ballpark. Really, I yeah, appreciate really 40 Man bringing us the slutter pitch reference without naming it. I don't even know if it's called that, but I just, I just wanted to say that. No, we're using it for sure. We're going with it. Absolutely. So, Slutter, uh, slutters and splinkers. <laughs> Very good. So we've got, a, a, I think, a way to track, too. Um, is it Fangraphs that's running the tracking on new pitch editions? It's Fangrass, isn't it? Or is that you guys at Pitcher List? Um, man, I think that might be Pitcher List. And using, I think that I honestly can't. I can't remember this. We're getting like it's the it's the land of new toys every day. Yeah. It seems like right now, like Fangrass just added you know CSW to their to their statistical reference. But I'm not 100 percent sure because um, I just try to focus on the dynasty stuff at Pitcher List. Because man, I will tell you that back end at Pitcher List is robust. If the people who are pictureless plus members and get into that discord it is it makes our simply the best chat look uh, boring and not active at all cuz those dudes are just going nuts so and there's it's it's kind of hilarious how many smart people are there and how many i mean every single baseball conversation seems to start with like do you like this guy and it ends with just charts and graphs and formulas in the quadratic equation it's wow. it's it's pretty wild so i can't i don't know who's tracking the new pitches but it does that sounds like pitcher list to me. Uh, how do people find out more about the pitcher list membership track? Uh, just go to pitcherlist.com. It's the PL Plus up top, and then I don't—I can't remember exactly what it's what it's worth this year or how much it costs. But you get access to the back end Discord where you can talk to any of the pitcher list uh, and pitcher list staff. I think they're actually doing a thing this year where you can actually hire a coach from pitcher list for your, for your, like specific you know one on one fantasy advice if you're getting into things. So it's fun. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not Thurlow, but it seems to me like if I was pimping Thurlow, I could sell access to his brain for the for the forty man wisdom that just comes from sitting on that many rosters. Yeah, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. Nope. That brain is a computer. All right, guys. Well, this has been an outstanding episode of the Unranked. Thank you very much for showing us, giving us a little insight into the players that you have the most of and, and the most love for going into the 2021 season. Uh, Doc Brown, thank you once again. Yeah, of course. Happy to come on. Happy to swear a little bit, talk about Cattell Marte, drink a little Cattell One vodka, and, uh, you know, have a nice little Friday here. 40-man Thurlow, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to talk to you guys. Hopefully we can do this again. All right, thanks for joining us for this special opening day edition of The Unranked. We'll speak to you again next week. 
Thanks for joining us once again on The Unranked. We look forward to speaking to you next time. Meanwhile, we want to hear from you, so make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And if you have an idea for an episode or a question for one of our guests, email us at podcast at figurefilbert.com. As always, give us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Thanks for joining us on The Unranked.